Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. Recently, I asked Mint Mobile's legal team if big wireless companies are allowed to raise prices due to inflation. They said yes. And then when I asked if raising prices technically violates those onerous two-year contracts, they said, what the f*** are you talking about, you insane Hollywood ass. So to recap, we're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. From AccuWeather.com, this is Everything Under the Sun. It's our weekly podcast featuring in-depth interviews with experts from AccuWeather and from around the world. Bringing you behind-the-scenes information, stories, and news on the weather, climate change, and the outdoors. Covering topics from the worlds of science, sports, and space. It's all the information you need to weatherproof your life. And now, here's the host of Everything Under the Sun, AccuWeather meteorologist, Dean DeVore. Friends, welcome in. This is episode 6 of our fall series of 2022 I'm Dean DeVore. Thanks for being with us. Look, um, it has been a tough couple of weeks to be not only in the path of Hurricane Ian, but certainly for those of us that have been telling people what was going to happen. Last week at this time, we were in the throes of waiting for that second landfall that was going to occur. And as we emerged this week, the images of devastation and frustration and problems for the folks not only in Florida but also for South Carolina and North Carolina and anywhere that Ian touched it's uh, certainly palpable and I think some of us as meteorologists and communicators of the weather are still kind of hurting from having to go through that with folks and trying to tell them and getting them all the information want to kind of revisit that kind of see where we are with Ian and the recovery efforts we're going to welcome in two of our friends from the AccuWeather Network. Bernie Reno has been at AccuWeather over 25 years like me, and he's now our chief video forecaster and is a mainstay on our network. And Jillian Angeline is a New York City-based reporter that came to AccuWeather a little over a year ago, and she's been cranking out some great stories and being in the places that we need to be to tell the weather story across the country. So... Coming up after we talk to Jillian and Bernie, we'll also talk to another member of our network for our weekend and beyond segment in terms of the weather. Mark Mancuso is coming up after that. But friends, sit back and relax. It's time to talk about everything under the sun from AccuWeather.com. Let's talk about what it was like to cover the hurricane on the air, both in the studio on the ground and where we are as we head into this weekend after Ian. Let's join Bernie Reno and Jillian Angeline here on Everything Under the Sun from AccuWeather.com. As we look back at Ian, I wanted to bring in two folks who have been uh, very uh, keen in our coverage, very influential in our coverage on our AccuWeather network. Bernie Reno, who uh, has been on mornings of our network since the beginning, and uh, Jillian Angeline, who's one of our great reporters out in the field who's been telling amazing stories First of all, I kind of wanted just to go in and talk a little bit about our fatigue as meteorologists. I think this has been one of the longest stretches, and we're still in it, friends. Even though the storm is gone, we're still in recovery mode. And I think all of us in the weather office are trying to do our best to keep the weather as good as possible down in Florida for that continuation of recovery. But I want to talk first to Bernie and Jillian a little bit about how they're doing. Bernie, uh, you and I have been around the block a few times, yeah. but that has been... 
I think one of the bigger stretches of uh, intense pressure that I felt, especially coming off of how bad Fiona treated Mm -hmm. the Caribbean and my family in Puerto Rico, and then knowing and seeing what we were thinking could happen in Florida and having it happen. That was a tough time, right? Yeah, it was. And, you know, What's happening now that wasn't necessarily happening 15 years ago, we're seeing these storms so much earlier. We're seeing the potential so much earlier. And and because of that, uh, tracking and predicting the exact landfall of these systems is getting a little harder because we're trying to do that in some instances several days before any landfall in the United States. So we're seeing them earlier and then trying to predict where they're going to be you know, makes this a, a very long process. You know, oftentimes, you know, people would tell me, you know, just worry about the cone, you know, don't worry about the exact landfall. And and, and while I understand that in the long range, as we saw, Ooh, the yeah. track matters. Yeah, it's huge and, matters. And, and, and the location matters. Certainly all one has to look at is Tampa and compare that to what's going on in, in, in Fort Myers, Sanibel Island, and and in Naples where they got in that right front quadrant and, and and that's why the track matters so much and that's why we obsess over it because you know where that came in you know you had damage in Tampa there's no question about it but but because of the storm strength um where you had that right front quadrant is is where you were looking at you know words that I, I said I, in my in my 30 year career I've only communicated a handful of times right you know talking about devastation, changing lives forever, altering the landscape forever. I mean, those are big words to say. Mm. Um, And if you're going to say them, you better have the right location, you know, and you, you better have the right location. You better communicate to people where, you know, where you need to go and, and, and where that if you don't leave, you're going to lose potentially your life. That's a big statement to make. And, and, and I certainly, Dean, as you and I know, we, we don't make those statements um, without a lot of thought. And it, it, it is a very, very draining experience, Dean, because yeah. you know what? You make your reputation. You don't make your reputation when it's sunny and nice. You make your reputation in your forecast when you have adverse weather. So you have to be right. But a part of you, and certainly both of us, wish that we were wrong. We don't want to see this devastation. No. We don't want to see this destruction. But unfortunately, we knew that it was going to happen with this storm just because of the strength. Um, Let's talk about Jillian's experience on the ground in Florida. Jillian, how are you holding up? And, um, you know, you're... It's funny because there's communities in everything in life. There's communities for those that are going through this devastation down in Florida. And I'm sure there's communities that you've built in who's covering it now. And so, Julian, talk a little bit about that. What are you feeling on the ground right now? How are you holding up? How do you see the residents of that area who've been uh, seeing such devastation and dealing with such, uh, you know, waking up every morning, wondering when they're how they're going to rebuild? How's that playing out down there on the ground? Well, I think this one woman that I spoke with yesterday said it best. She said at this point she was just mentally so tired, mentally exhausted. And I've been seeing that here, especially in the Southwest Florida area in the past couple of days that I've been here. Everyone seems like it's a never ending process. 
you know, every day there is progress. I see the progress. I see the debris on the side of the road. I see FedEx trucks going by. I see the lights coming on back on in places, which I think is great news. But I also see people who have no other place to go, who are sleeping in moldy homes, whose loved one ended up in the hospital because of a lung infection from sleeping in that wet, damaged home. So I think everyone's definitely like at their at their end. And I know that there is no end at the moment for a lot of these people. And if you look at what's going on with, you know, Fort Myers Beach, it's not open to residents anymore. It was open when it first, you know, when this, right after the storm hit. And as Bill Waddell had told me, uh, you know, people were coming back and forth with wagons. I wasn't there at that point. He was watching that firsthand. I haven't been down to Fort Myers Beach, but what I'm hearing from people that I'm talking to in this entire area is that's been closed off to residents now because search and rescue operations are still going on because they still have to find um, people who didn't survive the storm. And I think that's also kind of a stunning reality for a lot of people is I don't think anyone expected this, this death toll. Yeah, I think you're right. This this is continues to be sobering and sobering so far after the fact. I mean, we're basically now a week removed from this and um, every day we're, we're greeted with uh, some bad news in that scenario. And, and I know that gets to be tough. Um, where were you, Jillian, when the storm was was coming in? And, and then how soon did you get to the front lines? And is, is this the first time you covered that kind of situation? I know the first time I covered something somewhat similarly, it, it, it's just it's 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 hard on the psyche to cover and see that kind of stuff. It is. And I've been through Hurricane Sandy in the New York, New Jersey area. And then uh, I lived on the Pacific Island near Guam called Saipan for three years. During that time, we had a number of typhoons came through. Right. Uh, typhoons because the banana trees would fall. But um, but then we had a giant storm in 2015, August of 2015, called Sudalore. And the storm basically intensified from a tropical storm to a Category 5 on top of my apartment. And so I had my own version of PTSD <laughs> as I was by myself in my apartment with sounds like freight trains constantly hitting my windows for hours. And that restoration took quite a long time. We were pretty much stranded and not able to be connected with the rest of the world for a few days before the military came with the water bladders to change the salt water into regular drinking water. So I've been in a lot of these situations before. I've learned how to live without power and water for multiple weeks at a time. But um, it's always an experience. For this story specifically, I was in the Orlando area at first, we were inland because there was so much. Bernie spoke very much about the flooding expected inland. I can't tell you how many times he said the word Orlando <laughs> during the days before the storm. So we were positioned inland. We didn't get the beginning of the storm, but in the hours and hours after that storm hit this Southwest Florida community, the amount of rain, Connor and I, who's with me, Connor McCrory, we were in the hotel and for hours, it sounded like our windows were getting power washed with rain. And that's when we saw the live water rescues that next day, because a lot of those low-lying communities, mostly low-income communities, were, were filling up with water. It was a bowl, practically. We right. watched people get tests. And then shortly thereafter, within, I'd say, 24 hours, we were in Charleston, South Carolina for that second landfall. The fact that this storm re-intensified in the Atlantic Ocean, it had a very small window to re-intensify, and it did. And Charleston got got rocked. I, I wouldn't say that it got, um, it's not as bad as it was in here, but um, we saw plenty of damage in South Carolina as well. And within, you know, thankfully we were able to wash off our wet clothes 
and then come down to uh, Florida and see this here. Um, we're still getting a lay of the land. We've been here for a couple of days. But I feel for all the people that are going through this, my heart goes out to them. Yeah, I think uh, all of ours does. Bernie, What, as someone who covered storms, but you know, mostly in the situation that you are in in the studio, I know how much it's important for me to see uh, the reporting of folks on the ground. Um, I know there's been some made over the years about uh, some people maybe uh, going a little overboard in terms of uh, demonstrating the effects on the air and stuff and whether it's necessary or whether we're actually promoting uh, people to go out and do dumb things. And we saw people doing dumb things in this storm. Those people that were swimming as the storm surge was coming in. Um, we, we've seen that, but I, I don't, I, I kind of maybe I take a middle ground. I think the work that the reporters like Bill Waddell and Jillian and all of our folks throughout uh, do are important to try to help us tell the story from a central location. Your thoughts on that? Well, that's exactly right. Um, you know, when I when you have Bill Waddell, when you have Reed Timmer, when you have Jillian Angeline, when they're on the front lines and they're showing you the damage, it, 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 that's like a memory card in my head. This is going to happen again, not necessarily for Florida, but I know in my career, um, there's going to be another, you know, category four, category five hurricane at some point hitting land. And it's so important to me to take the meteorology out of it or use the meteorology that I have, but w- when I see the damage, I'm remembering it and and describing it to people that live in Fort Myers, that lived in Sanibel Island. It's the damage that I've seen over the years from reporters that allowed me to communicate to people what this is really going to be. So just not saying there's going to be damaging winds, being able to say this is going to destroy homes, this is going to change the island forever, this is going to totally change people's lives because there's going to be a destruction, an area that is just completely and utterly destroyed, and if you don't leave that area, you're going to lose your life. That's what people like Jillian, Bill Waddell, Reed Timmer, Kim Loeffler, uh, that were in the storm, when they come back and they show you the footage, that's how you're able to communicate it. And, and it's certainly, it is a very, you know, you, you saw me on air, Dean. It was a, a mix of adrenaline, mm. and just unbelievable sorrow because I've seen this before and I mm-hmm. knew it was going to happen. Yeah. And then I mean, you and I, yeah. you and I both have talked hurricanes in over the years, uh, you know, Katrina, yeah, uh, the, the, the hurricanes around that whole year that were coming into Texas and had uh, problems. So you're right. It's not that we haven't done this before, but it doesn't mean that every time isn't hard to take. And, and, and I think you need to take that into consideration when you're looking at those of us that work in this business, that um, this takes a toll on us, too. And that uh, if we're not careful, we need to make sure that we're taking care of ourselves to try to help other people. You know, if you're not taking care of yourself, you can't help others. And, you know, that's a lesson that sometimes I think we get a little bit out of whack. But yeah. And, you know, Dean, there's a, there's there's an example. And this is very uncomfortable to talk about. And it's it, and it's only something that I've 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 said to a couple of people. It got me on Sandy when when I was on television and right. and, and I talked about Sandy, and I talked about how 
this was going to change people's lives, how this was going to be one of the first war storms that hit there and how it was going to change the landscape. And I thought to myself, boy, if, if this doesn't happen, I have just ruined my reputation as a meteorologist because your reputation is made on your forecast. You need to be correct. And then, then I went back and said, my God, I hope I'm wrong. I don't right, want Right, because you don't want that to happen, right? You so don't want look, that, right? You know, it, it's a conundrum that... Yeah, and, oh, no, I, trust and, me, it, I, I know it. Yeah, and people don't really understand that, that, you know, I, I want to be right, but I want to be wrong. And, and, and it hit me. I actually came off the set dizzy. And Mark Mancuso, who, who has been in the business longer than you and I, you know, he had to talk me off a cliff, mm-hmm. you know, and say, hey, Bernie, you know, listen, you didn't say anything wrong. You can't, you have to disconnect yourself to a certain mm-hmm. extent and you, you don't want to be right, but you're, you're using what you've learned, your meteorology and, and, and from seeing the footage and seeing what has happened, that what you said wasn't wrong. It was what's going to happen. This is what you think is going to happen. And you have to approach it that way. And you know, after our conversation in, you know, in, in other storms. And that's the way I approached it with, with Ian. Um, yeah. I, I think this right? goes to this feeling that, I mean, we cannot control given the information that we give out what people do with that. And so I think sometimes we kind of extend after we give the information in the, in the most honest form that we have, expressing the the doubts and the, and, the, and the things that could go one way or the other, but giving you our, our good professional and reasoned opinion, there has to be a point where we kind of block ourselves off and say, I can't dwell on whether people are listening to me or not. I can't uh, dwell on whether I'm going to get that exactly right, what I've just said, but I've got enough information out there that people can make their own informed decisions and make the, the the decisions that are best for them. Because as you and I talked about while this was going on, there are people that you can tell them to evacuate, that they must evacuate, that if they don't, they're not likely going to survive. And there's reasons that they don't want to or can't. So there are there's a certain point where I think you just... I'm learning a little bit in right now in stoicism. There's like, you just kind of circle that off. It's hard to do as a meteorologist because we have empathy. Uh, does that, is that ringing to something that you're yeah. feeling too, Jillian, as you're on the ground where sometimes you have to kind of circle yourself off as the meteorologist, as the reporter, and understand that you're just trying to give out the best information possible at that point. Is that something you've experienced here in the last couple of days? Definitely, especially with deadline pressure. It's all about getting the story being as, patient and caring with every single person that you talk to. And you have to remember that it's not just about, you know, getting the sound bite. It's about treating each person the way that, you know, as if they are, you know, a sole individual, because everyone, your brother, your sister, you're part of your family at that point. Right. But I also have to compartmentalize myself. And normally it doesn't hit me till either that night or when I'm back on the plane, (laughs) it'll hit me all back when I'm in New Jersey, it'll hit me all at once probably not in the healthiest way. Like, you know, it'll probably start, I'll probably start crying at some point later on. Sorry, we'll all start crying here if you keep going, Jillian. Jillian, um, I know, like you said, you haven't been on the the ground there long here back into Florida, but just give me two or three things that you, 
you know, as a curious storyteller for us at AccuWeather and and in your professional career, what are things that you're trying to get to here in the next couple of days for your reporting for us for AccuWeather.com? Well, I've been trying all morning to try and get to Sanibel Island. I've been working all my sources and trying to find people that can help me. Um, We're actually sitting outside a hotel that's offering up hurricane passes to residents and to commercial business owners. So we're trying to get access. They've definitely, um, you know, cut down on the number of people that they're allowing into certain places. So we're just and trying again, to that goes back to the, the situation where they're still in search and rescue mode in those places, yeah. right? Yeah. I, I want to respect that as much as possible, but I also want to get the stories. I want to be able to scoop everyone else. That's my ultimate goal in everything that I do. I want to get the story that no one else has. And that's what I'm always trying to buy for. I don't want to tell the same story as everyone, every other media outlet. So that's my goal every day, every minute that I'm on the ground. And I'm going to keep doing that until uh, until I'm told I have to go home. And at that point, I'll still probably beg to stay a little bit late longer. Bernie, in the last minutes of with you, um, I think the one thing that we're all looking at the weather maps and hoping that nothing comes towards Florida here in the next week or so that would interrupt the search and rescue and the recovery effort. And it looks like for right now that that is the case. Mm-hmm. Um, the the next system that we're tracking looks like it's going to strafe the uh, is strafing the northern uh, part of uh, South America and heading towards Central America. The next situation that could be anywhere close to land. Um, but it looks like Florida is in decent shape to continue this recovery right over the next couple of days. Yeah, I, I do think there will be an increase in showers like next week, you know, unfortunately though, climatology tells me that there's going to be one more right at some point, late October, mid to late October, uh, something you're going to get a trough, a big dip in the jet stream to come into the Gulf of Mexico that will likely start a gyre, a, a large area of, uh, of low pressure in, in the central or Northern Caribbean. And it happens almost every year during late October, early November. And typically, these storms run north. Typically, uh, you know, usually this time of the year, you can almost rule out the upper Texas coast. Um, you can't rule out the central and east uh, eastern part of Gulf of Mexico. But climatology tells me something will try to get going mid to late, mid, late, late October, early November. And typically, those storms come north. And the most likely area would be South Florida. I don't see anything on the map saying that right now. but. You know, history tell history matters. Right. It did when we were looking at the storm. I mean, we were all concerned. The first track maps that we had had it up into the uh, panhandle. And I think uh, we all knew that that's not the historical situation for storms. And so, uh, yeah, I, I agree. History does matter. Yeah. Um, you, know, you know, there are always two tracks with this panhandle, big bite or southwest Florida, yeah. not a track in the Tampa. Because no. we typically don't see it. No, right. And you know what? In the end, it could have gone into the uh, big band of Florida, perhaps the far uh, eastern panhandle. But climatology also said, look out South Florida, south right. of Tampa. And in the end, unfortunately, that's where it went. Well, Bernie and Jillian, thank you and your uh, compadres on the network for all their amazing work. I know. Uh, We're continuing to be vigilant, making sure the folks in Florida are covered with the stories that they need to know about where the weather meets their life and then what the weather is going to be like as they continue the rest and recovery. I hope both of you get some rest and recovery. I think that's important for those of us that have been talking about this 
for the last couple of weeks. Jillian, thanks for joining us. Good luck in your travels. Bernie, I'll see you on the set here soon. You will. Always a pleasure to hear from both of you. Thank you so much. Great conversation, folks. If you want to check out Jillian on her Twitter, it's J-L-Angeline, A-N-G-E-L-I-N-E. And the one and only Bernie Reno's on Twitter, too. Reno, A-C-C-U-R-A-Y-N-O. Mark Mancuso is coming up next on our podcast. We'll talk to him about his thoughts post-Ian and also look at the weather for the upcoming weekend and week beyond as we continue our recovery efforts in Florida and try to get a semblance of a weekend throughout the rest of the country. Is it going to be good for leaf peeping? Is it going to be good for maybe a little bonus summer weekend in some of the areas of the southeast? We'll talk about that up next on Everything Under the Sun from AccuWeather.com. Whether you're at home getting ready for work, packing the kids' lunch, or commuting, listen to AccuWeather Daily. Subscribe on your favorite podcast platform, and you'll get the top trending weather story of the day every day. Welcome back to Everything Under the Sun from AccuWeather.com. I'm your host, meteorologist Dean DeVore. Proud to be joined by a gentleman whose name was mentioned in the last segment, uh, Mark Mancuso, who has been now with us here at AccuWeather. My goodness, Mark, is it? Over 10 years already? Oh, yeah. It's about 13, 14 years. Now. It goes fast. Yeah, it does. And then before that, household name with the Weather Channel, one of the one of the old guard there. So, I mean, you have, as we talked about with Bernie and Jillian, as we continue to wrap up Ian, and then we're going to take a, weather, a look at the weather for the upcoming weekend and week beyond. But, I mean, you've seen these storms. You've talked them in um, to places. Um, just kind of wanted to get your thoughts real quick. Was that one of the longest kind of situations where you saw the roadmap to what was happening and then it actually happens and it's as bad or as worse as you think? And I mean, sometimes I know for me, meteorologically, as a meteorologist and somebody who's bound to communicate that to, called to communicate that to, it it gets hard. Does it get harder for you after all these years to, to see that? Well, it's hard because you know what's coming. You know when these storms come in that... You know, if it's that intense, there will be loss of life, considerable amount of damage to property. And it's going to take a long time to get people back on their feet. And this storm in particular, you know, we always emphasize it's not a point. And we ever show these forecasts that go out you know, five days, 10 days, whatever. There's a cone. And we always say there's a range of possibilities. And at the very bottom of that cone, was Fort Myers. Yeah, it was the whole time. I mean, and, and, you know, we talked about this too. We were one of the first folks to have any kind of path or cone out for this storm. Um, you know, I think it's, it's hard. Who, who's got the worst expectations now? Is it ourselves as meteorologists to want to get it right as quickly ahead as possible, as much lead time as possible? And then we've been around these storms. We know we don't get those last little jogs all the time. And in this case, that 20, 30, you know, we talk about that sometimes in storms, 20, 30 miles make a difference. That can. Um, uh, is, it, is it an expectation from the public or us that is getting harder and harder to meet because of the challenges in forecasting and the way the modeling works? Well, I think, too, people, you know, see the forecasts. And I know I've been in the path of a hurricane. And you're like, whoa. What do I do? Do I stay? Do I go? And I have a good friend that lives in Fort Myers, and I told him, get out of there. I say, if you get a chance, it's not looking good, head out to you know, Fort Lauderdale, Miami. 
What did he do? He went about 20 miles in one direction, didn't leave the area. Right. He was in a place that had hurricane-proof windows. You know, people had a false sense of security because, you know, there's better construction going on. But as we know, that storm surge, the power of water is just amazing. You know, you look at the destruction it's done. And I remember going back to Hugo years ago, right. looking at those high-rises at the beaches there, those beautiful buildings. The jetties, the big rocks in the jetties, mm. they were Throw it into the, the basements yeah. of these buildings. So the, the, that's just amazing power. You, 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 actually, I just saw there's some really great NASA put this up. I think it was yesterday as we're dropping this on Friday, Wednesday or Thursday of, of satellites before and after. And you can see the sediment that this thing's power brought up from the ocean floor and deposited right up to the, the coastline there in, in uh, southwestern Florida. It's amazing, right? You're right. We think just sometimes wind or the rain is falling. We don't think of the other powers that be. Now, I know um, you folks on the network, uh, as uh, Mark's been on this morning with Justin Pavic, uh, you know, you've been in recovery mode. The good news is, except for some showers in southern uh, Florida, it looks like most of the rest of the, the Florida Peninsula is dry for continued cleanup, search and rescue here as we go through the weekend. And as, you, as you're familiar with Florida, it takes a long time to drain. A lot of canals, those roots. And I was looking at that St. John's River this whole time saying that is going to be a big concern. The water's going to get backed up in there. You're going to get the floodwaters, and it's still flooding. And, uh, you know, it looks like we're going to be weeks in this. And, and I think I even thought early on looking at the potential for this, this is transformational. This is into areas that are uh, a lot of um, uh, tourism dollars that are dependent upon people that go back and forth. A lot of people have lost their second homes in yeah, this situation. You think about it, Dean. A lot of people up in age, where do they go to retire? Yeah. Down to Florida. Right. And getting hit with a storm like this, how are they going to be able to recover? You know, their life savings have gone into all these properties, and now it's all gone. Well, Mark, I know uh, it's it's personally challenging for us as meteorologists. I, I want to give people an idea of what to expect here this weekend as we look at the weather for the Upcoming weekend and week beyond, fall is in the air in the Northeast and the Great Lakes. A really chilly shot. Worse of it coming in like Friday into Saturday and then kind of lifting out. Uh, but uh, folks, uh, it, it's chilly in those places here this weekend. Yeah, like it or not, fall is coming. And we already saw reports of snowflakes this morning in the Upper Peninsula of Michigan. Yuck. And... Um, I know a lot of us play a little game this time of year. You know, when do you turn on your heat? When, <laughs> when do you break down and do it? Well, uh, you know, I think sometimes that's a personal decision in the house, you know. And, and then there's other factors, too. I know, like, the way our house sits sometimes, it, it, we, we, we take a while to, to cool it down. But there was a couple of mornings uh, this morning where uh, these last week that I've gotten up and thought, maybe I should have let it go on. We do still, uh, as I look at the national map, still have some... Uh, monsoonal moisture coming up from Mexico into the Four Corners area up towards Denver. But a lot of the west, warm over California, pleasant in the uh, high plains in the north and really nice. I'll tell you what, my friends in St. Louis are having a great weekend. They start a little fall-like, low to mid-60s. They warm up in the mid-70s on Sunday. And then they're back in the low 80s. That warmth still wants to push in. In fact, if you're up along the eastern seaboard, uh, we're dropping this on Friday. Uh, you know uh, New England really well, Mark. I know. Uh, I would I would go to the Cape today on this Friday to get a little bonus sunshine, upper 60s. They're going to chill down, but there's another warm surge, it looks like, into that area. The Northeast going to get a little reprieve again of some of this chill as we get into the early part of next week. Yes, that time of year back and forth. Of course, the ocean's still very warm. 
about a little note. I was driving through the Poconos yesterday. Mm-hmm. Oh, the, the color is spectacular. Yeah. Pea color right yeah. now in the, in the Poconos. And then one other little thing about the, the, the weekend weather you know, in New Mexico. What a change from the beginning of the summer. Remember we were talking about those fires yeah. and how bad it was and right. how dry? Now look at it. It's, it's really changed to a wetter side. Yeah, it's def- definitely different. You know, we've had those flips around the p- other parts of the country. You know, started wet, got real dry in the middle here in the northeast in the summer, and then we've gone back to the storminess. Interesting weather, a uh, lot to keep track of. But, you know, as I look at that national map, the good thing is no big L's or hurricane symbols or tropical storm symbols. Let's hope that holds. We're watching that one system go down to uh, the folks in uh, Central America, it looks like. Bad news for them. But, you know, as we know, hurricane season's not officially over to the end of November. And there's that secondary peak historically on October the 16th. So, you know, we still have to be, you know, on our guard. Can't let our guard down. Mark, uh, thanks for stopping by. Um, Really have enjoyed working with you. You know, obviously a fan (laughs) before uh, you got here. And it's been great to learn and work with you here over the last 13 years here and learn from you throughout your career. And I admire everything that you do, you know. You are a legend here. <laughs> well, I appreciate that. I don't, I, don't, I don't know about that, but we'll see. Mark Mancuso, thanks. One of the best. That'll do it for us here this week. When we come back next week, we've got exciting news to share over the next couple of weeks, including a designation by the National Weather Service as a weather-ready nation ambassador. We'll also talk about... Some of the things that we need to do as we get ready to close out the garden. Some of us getting into the final days or a couple of weeks of a growing season. And we'll talk about that. We'll also kind of visit in terms of some of the uh, winter forecast updates that we talked about over the last couple of weeks. If you want to go a couple of weeks ago to our friend Paul Pasolak, who was here to talk about that just last episode. Um, But we'll be updating that as well. So, So many of the great things to talk about. Um, So much hard work by our hundreds of team members dedicated to trying to protect your life and your property. And that's what we do here at AccuWeather. For our executive producers, Ken Prell and Andrew Robb and all of our team members, we'll talk to you next week as we roll on with Episode 7 in our fall series of Everything Under the Sun from AccuWeather.com. Thanks for listening to this week's episode. Be sure to subscribe to, rate, and review Everything Under the Sun on Apple Podcasts, iTunes, Spotify, or wherever you listen to your favorite shows. And of course, if you have an idea for a future podcast, just email us at accuweather.podcast at accuweather.com. Hey, it's Danny Pellegrino from Everything Iconic. Ready to upgrade your style game without blowing your budget? Check out Quince. They've got all the good stuff, shirts and polos, activewear and fine leather goods, all at 50 to 80 percent less than other high-end brands. And the best part? They're all about safe, ethical and responsible manufacturing. Get that luxury vibe without the luxury price tag. Hit up Quince.com slash upgrade for free shipping and 365 day returns on your next order. That's Quince.com slash upgrade.